The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. We're going to start by talking about Granit Xhaka mm. and Arsenal after what was quite some story last weekend. He got substituted against Palace in the 61st minute, threw down his captain's armband as he strolled off the field. There's a close-up here of him throwing, throwing his captain's armband, and he was booed by his own fans for many things, one of them not running off the field as Arsenal chased a winner. And this is what he gave back to the fans, including, as we're blurring out here, some swear words as well. Clearly not happy. The relationship between him and the Arsenal fans has not been good for some time. So off he went. He wasn't interested either in the words from his manager, Unai Emery who, of course, was asked about this situation on Tuesday in his press conference. Let's hear from him. He is now devastated. Devastated, sad. We spoke yesterday. Man- uh, Sunday nights also spoke with them. Monday, yesterday, and today morning. He tied it uh, normal with the group, but uh, he is devastated. Uh, he is sad about that situation. And really, he knows he was wrong. He was wrong. And uh, he feels inside, very deep. But it's normal, like a human. You, you need, every player needs the supported support. Support them. Support uh, the team. Do you think he should have apologised for, for what he's done? Yes, I think uh, when we make individually some mistakes and when we need to to make apologies for one circumstance, uh, uh, I prefer to do and we, we suggest him to do. Well, that was Emery talking on Tuesday. Two days later, Thursday, on his personal Instagram account, Granite Xhaka issued this statement. After taking some time to reflect on what happened Sunday afternoon, I'd like to give you an explanation rather than just a quick response. The scenes that took place around my substitution have moved me deeply. I love this club and always give 100% on and off the pitch. My feeling of not being understood by fans and repeated abusive comments at matches and in social media over the last weeks and months have hurt me deeply. People have said things like, we'll break your legs, kill your wife, and wish that your daughter gets cancer, he goes on. That has stirred me up, and I reached boiling point when I felt the rejection in the stadium on Sunday. In this situation, I let myself be carried away and reacted in a way that disrespected the group of fans that support our club, our team, and myself with positive energy. That has not been my intention, 
and I'm sorry if that's what people thought. My wish is that we get back to a place of mutual respect, remembering why we fell in love with this game in the first place. Let's move forward positively together. Well, Granite Xhaka has trained this week, but Unai Emery said yesterday that he would not be playing today in the game on CNBC against Wolves. <coughs> it kicks off at 11 o'clock. So, Robbie Earl, I'll start mm. with you. Which side of this do you fall down on? Granite Xhaka's side, when his response to the fans who have... Who have spent a long time abusing him, as he explained there on social media yeah. and in the stadium, and that he's a human and he's allowed to react like that, mm-hmm. or on a lot of other people's sides, that there's no way you can do anything like that to your paying public, to your paying fans. Where do you stand? Well, it's an interesting one, Rebecca. I first start with the fans. Under no circumstances is that vitriol, is that level of criticism should be, should be aimed at a football. And to, when, when they took, bring in your wife and, and, and your children... That's going too far. Social media has its own problems. What I would say about that for Granite Jacker is, come off social media, if that's the problem. Concentrate on your family, concentrate on your football. But from Granite Jacker's point of view, Rebecca, you're a professional footballer. You're a captain of a, of a Premier League football club. There's only 20 in the world. You're the captain of Arsenal. That's an honour, by the way, to be captain of Arsenal. You cannot react in the way he did. Whatever it has been said, however it's been thrown at you, I don't believe he, he can react in that way and throw down the, the, the armband and walk off. For me, that's him done. One and done for me. You, you should never have the captaincy back again. OK, we'll expand on that in a second. <clears throat> you said there's only 20 Premier League captains in the world. They are still human beings. Yeah. And this has been going on for such a long time. He called it the boiling point. And that was simply, was it not, just a human being reacting to arguably what many would say is, is a long amount of time of bullying. Yeah, um, sadly, that's the way it is, Rebecca. From, from when we used to go and watch playing football to playing football to experiencing that same booing. Social media, I totally agree with Robbie Earl. Private account, do whatever you've got to do. Separate that off. He got booed a lot. He's been get, got booed a lot. A lot of uh, players get booed, Rebecca. And I waited. My initial reaction was one of, wow, you can't do that. And then you wait for the reaction from the manager. We've just seen that. We wait for the statement from the player. We've just seen that. There was no real apology in there from Gunnar Xhaka, by the way, of his actions, Rebecca. It was an apology to the fans and, and what they thought. Wrong, Rob, does he? No, he, he, he explaining he his behaviour there. I just... And, and basically, I've, I haven't changed. My first reaction was, you can't do that, and I feel exactly the same so, way now. So you take the captaincy off him like Robbie Earl would do? You know what's funny? I think it's unacceptable what he's done. But... If you're Unai Emery, Robbie Earl, yeah. what do you do? And I'll tell you what I think he has to do. I think he has to back him. I think if, if, he, if he feels there's a future, if he feels that this player is important for his team going forward, I think it's the right thing to do to bring out this game. I think he's got to say, you know what? We know it was wrong. I need this guy. I'm going to back him. Give him another chance to get back out so, there. If you don't, Rob, uh-huh, I think yeah. it, it just kill, kills him off then. Well, kills him off. He can come back as a player, but when you throw that armband, Rebecca... Young players, they've got Maitland-Niles, they've got Zaka, they've got Willock. What's, what message does that say? They've had captains like Tony Adams and Patrick Vieira, greats of the game who've never thrown it down. What does that send? The message, a captain of a football club leads a club, sets the agenda and sets but, but, the standard. So, so, you, sets if, the standard. so you take the captaincy off him, what, what's that going to do to him? And when he goes out there, the fans, it's a, it's a, it's a permanent punishment that I don't think he can okay. recover from. The, so the if guy, you're OK with that, I'm okay. you're going to lose him. Well, I'm not saying gonna I'm going to lose him. I'm not sure if he's in Arsenal's best 11 anyway. So, so let's have, that's one argument to be decided. But at the end of the day, Rob, if, if you allow that to, do, to go, Unai Ami is not leading and managing his football club in the right way. And by the way, he's a third party when you said which side does it fall on. Unai Ami has had a, a, a captain 
by ballot. By should we should we choose? The manager hasn't chosen him. He's allowed the players. To, to take control of that situation. I, I, I cannot be right at a big club like Arsenal. Let's stay on, Emery, because, Robbie Musto, I don't think I've come across an Arsenal fan who thinks Granite Xhaka should be in the starting lineup, as you mm. mentioned. He has been one of the first names on an Unai Emery team sheet yeah. since Emery arrived. Yes. Is that not part of the problem, that he's putting a player in a position mm. that he's not good enough to play in? Mm. Yeah, but uh, that doesn't excuse his actions, Rebecca. No, but is it not part of the... Because yeah. it, 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 it's leading to the abuse because the fans don't like Correct. him, the fans say he's not good enough, so it, he's getting booed. So what, you've got, to, you've got to listen to the fans and not play him? But is, does Emery not... Is he not culpable for his, in his decision-making over Granit Xhaka culpable, in terms of what, just, playing, in his reaction just, or just playing him? Isn't this a different conversation well, uh, on, about whether on, he should be playing him, should be making Tuesday, his captain? We talk about the reaction from this player, yeah. and that's what I, I, I absolutely detest. So does Emery not have any, any part to play in this? You don't well, not in that incident. No, not, but not, but not on that Tuesday, incident for him manager, to do that the to the manager fans. said, Rob, he has to apologise. We're still seven days. We're still waiting for the apology. I didn't like the statement from Granit Xhaka. I'm just saying, if you don't want to lose him forever at your club... I think he will say, you know what, he's got to bring him back in, Rebecca. Where's that leave him? If, he, if, he, if it's a public punishment, mm. you're not captain anymore. The fans, by the way, are so wrongly, so powerful in these situations. They can dictate whether a player stays or goes because of the way that they treat him. And I don't know whether there's a way back. If you take the captaincy away from him, there's definitely no way back. Well, at halftime, both Robbies felt that we would see some sort of reaction mm. from Manchester United in the second half. Did you see enough? No. Not really, Rebecca, and I'm afraid this is part of the learning curve of this Manchester United. We're not going to see United, uh, a United team that goes five, six, seven games, winning games and unbeaten. It'll be two or three, and then they'll lose a few, and the inconsistency that Robbie Musto talked about is going to be there because of the youth uh, players who are learning and the quality, some players not being good enough. And the inconsistency, can they learn? Can they get better through the inconsistency? What can they learn while they're going through these ups and downs. Know, it's difficult. It's like, like, they look like a little bit of personality to drive yeah. them through games where it's not... I mean, the conditions were not great there, but who cares? You've got to find a way through that. I think you're right. I, I, mean, I wrote down myself. Personality and quality. It's still at times there where Bournemouth allowed them to attack. There's still not quite that quality to confine the ball in behind for Rashford or Martial. Just a little bit with Fred and McTominay. They do, they do an OK job, but OK players aren't going to win go on a yeah. big run. This is United now, this season. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. I thought that it was really important they maintained a little bit of momentum. You said about it, slightly turned in a corner. They needed to keep it going. They haven't, and this, for me, is now, this is what you're going to get. Some good, some bad. Do you get more, quali- uh, more personality when you get more quality? So if they buy better players in January, they're going to yeah. get more personality Absolutely. from the quality. And, and what might happen on days like today for Manchester United, and let's give uh, Bournemouth credit as well yeah. because they played well. But what happens on days like today, Rebecca, is somebody comes up with something. It's not a great game. You, you, you know it's not great football, but somebody comes up with a little bit of magic, a combination play, bends one in, and that's enough to win you the game. They, they're lacking that at the moment. Bournemouth came into the game against Manchester United a little goal shy today, and it was only the one goal that was needed to take down Manchester United, courtesy of Josh King just before the break. We're going to hear from that man, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but first, here is Bournemouth boss Eddie Howe. Eddie, before the match, you asked for patience. You believed in your strikers. It was all repaid, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I thought it was a, a really good game today. I thought, from our perspective, we were we were solid, competitive in the game. I thought our attacking play was really good around the box. We looked a real threat. Looked like we could score. And we respect our opponents. We know how tough the, the game was going to be, and thankfully, we got over the line. And um, yeah, kept another clean sheet, which is great. 
Was it a bad goal to give away from your on your respect? I mean, Joshua's finish was good, but there's a lot of time, a lot of a lot of ball in the penalty area. Every time you concede a goal, it's a bad goal to give away. But just to build up to it, first into Callum Wilson, he can turn, lay it out, then into Josh. We, we don't screen him, so of course um, you're disappointed. But then again, it's. Uh, uh, a bit of magic that wins the game. Uh, you've got to say that about Josh's goal. You pushed towards the end. You threw on the teenagers. What, what was missing in the performance that you were looking for there? Just more urgency, more tempo? Yeah, well, some quality at times. Uh, of course, as I said, the, the goal is important. We uh, put some energy on uh, after a while. Maybe I should have started a couple of others. Who knows? Uh, Wednesday night, Saturday, uh, early kickoff sometimes. Um, that might have an effect, but I felt we started the game well, so I don't think that was the, the case. Does it feel like three steps forward, one step back today? Yeah, it's it's one of them that if you want to be challenging for top four uh, and moving up the table, you need to win games like this. Then again, I'm I'm sure Bournemouth will say that um, they they want to challenge as well, so I hope they they want to win home games. So for us, we. Um, Disappointed. Then we we got a game on Thursday, Partizan. Need to look forward to that. We can make sure we go through. And then we got Brighton before international break. It is a busy week for Manchester United. Just want to touch on Bournemouth, Robbie Musto. They are up to sixth now in the Premier League, three points above Manchester United. Are they a much better team than them? Than who, sorry? The Manchester United. They're two places above them, three yeah, points above them. I'm not sure they're a, them. they're a much better team, but they are an improving team. And, I, and that's what I like about Eddie Howe's team. He, he's already talked about, he hinted in his press conference, that he'd been working on the defensive side of it. The last four games have conceded one goal in the Premier League, and they've played Arsenal, Manchester United. They've got enough attacking players in their squad to score goals. So I know they haven't scored many of late, but they just have. Like wide players, some, some guys are injured right now, David Brooks I'm thinking of, and others. Um, the fact that he's kind of got them organised defensively, they look stronger, Rob. And we talked about it in the second half. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's the two forwards coming back in, making themselves nice and compact, not easy to play through for United. Uh, we, sorry, yeah. you go first, Robbie. No, I'll just say what, what they are, Rebecca, are closer to what they're trying to, to do. You can see what they're trying to do and win a game. You don't necessarily always see that at Manchester United. That's the inconsistency. You talked a half-time or at the end of the game yeah. about how Bournemouth are never in relegation scraps. No, they're kind of no. mid-table. Yeah. Is it about time that they try and win some silverware this season to go for the FA Cup? A cup's always going to be important, but there's, there's a consistency about Bournemouth when you see them. It's refreshing, Rebecca. They're not a yo-yo team. They're not fighting at the bottom of the league. Yes, a league cup or an FA Cup would, would be great, but I'm calling him Steady Eddie for, for what you see of Eddie Howe. You know how his team is set up. He's got two strikers who can cause you problems, and they play good football. Goodness me, the Liverpool fans, the Man City fans, chewing their fingernails throughout the, that action today. Robbie Muster, your first reaction to the title contenders' Just, just another days. boring day in the Premier League. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get. Southampton, we saw 9-0 Leicester last weekend. Awful, atrocious defending, yet they score. They defend you know, heroically for so long. But the champions, Robbie, yeah. oh, and there's two champions teams playing in this, in this league this year, City-Liverpool, and they showed why they're champions and they keep going and they've got the quality to keep going and, and, and when they needed it, the, the certain players stepped up and produced wins from, from places where we thought, wow, the, the top two could lose games today. You get teams in this league who don't know how to win. There's a habit of losing games. Liverpool don't know how to lose. I remember League Cup midweek, by the way, when there was, there was down three times, come back against Arsenal and win that. And, and now I'm saying there's a habit, there's a feel... There's a mentality about this football club that's saying we're going to win matches and that was a game 
that champions win. It's like a gear. It's like another yeah, gear. They, that they, they, can, they, they, can, they don't want to yeah, go to it, but they yeah. can go to it to get them through difficult moments like today. And don't forget, Liverpool take on Manchester City mm. next Sunday. Robbie Musto, I'll start with you. Nine goals against Southampton. They're looking to go third again today. A young squad, a young manager. It feels like the perfect storm that Brendan Rodgers has created. So how has he done it? What exactly has Brendan Rodgers brought to this football club? Well, he certainly completed the transition of a Leicester City side that was known for being direct uh, to being a footballing side. Claude Puel, to be fair to him, started that progression last season and he's finishing it off. And what he's added, he's added zip, intensity and penetration, production from his key players. Through his personality and his tactical smarts, he is getting the best out of key players in the side. And when you look at Jamie Vardy, who was miserable last year, he is getting a nice blend and balance between playing intricate football through midfield and sometimes going long and direct to Jamie Vardy. So it keeps him happy, keeps all the parts happy to it. I mean, it's a very similar team to last season, but they're so much better now. It's because of Brendan Rodgers. Production, though, is the key thing. The key, the key, the key difference is, is penetration and production. James Madison, three goals. Tielemans, three goals from a central midfield area. Perez, three goals. And Jamie Vardy, now the joint top scorer in the Premier League. And two fullbacks that have both scored and assisted so far this season. So that, in a nutshell, is how he's done it. Tactical smarts, production from key players, and more of an intensity and a zip to their football. Robbie, am I right in saying that he is the special manager that he is, that he's yeah. done all those things with mm -hmm. Leicester because he has that combination of the tactical smarts, that yeah. tactical nous, yeah. but also the man management, and it's that chemistry, that combination? Absolutely. With the modern-day football of the back here, that, that's crucial. It's critical to um, getting results and getting the productivity that Robbie Musto talked about, whether it's Jamie Vardy or Casper Smichael at one end to the Madisons, the Tielemans and the Bournes at the other. Every player is playing on top of the game. And this has been done, by the way, in 20 Premier League games. You look at Unai Emery at Arsenal, you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. They haven't put their imprint, their DNA into their football clubs as quickly as Brendan Rodgers has. And the, the best analogy I can give as, as a player is think about school when you've got your favourite teacher who makes the subject enjoyable. You learn, you can't wait. These Leicester City players can't wait to go into Mr Rogers' class every day because they're learning and they're getting better. And when, you, when that feeling comes, it's something you want to get more and more. Yeah, we've all had those teachers. We've mm. all wanted to, to um, impress them, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Robbie Musto, they're in the title race? I think where they are right now, you've got to include them in the title race as you'd include Chelsea Football Club. The top four right now are in it. Now, of course... We've been here before with Chelsea, with, uh, with Leicester, and it would be remarkable to remain close towards the end. But, of course, they've done it before. And momentum and this club and a bright manager with young players, who knows? What do you think? 5,000 to one last time, <laughs> and we laughed. About 60 to one now odds for them to get there. I'm taking $10 of Mr Musto's money, <laughs> and I'm putting it on Mr Rogers' class. Did you get a sense, Jürgen, that if you got the equaliser, that you would go on and win the game? No, but if it's enough time, I would know it will try. So, of course, how can I, how can I know that? He... In the moment we got the equaliser, it was, it was, I thought, OK, that's the minimum what we deserve today, so that's good. Yes, a couple of things I didn't like too much in the first half, what I spoke about, um, but that is usually not enough to, to lose a game with all the things, with all the, the, the passion we showed um, in all the other minutes, and especially in the second half. So, um, no, I had no clue that we will call the, the winner, but I still take it. One final question. I think I know what you may say, but you're 28 games unbeaten in the Premier League, unbeaten this season. Arsenal did go through a season unbeaten. Is it possible 
in this day and age to even contemplate achieving that again? Because you look like a side that never knows when they are beaten. Yes, it's, you know, it's not possible if we play like in, a, uh, um, in, in, in the first... So I would say until we conceded a goal. So it, not that it was bad, it was actually the opposite. It was we played good football, but it was not the football, not the, not the, the winning mentality what you need in series. So we are here, there's no reason for playing this uh, past there, and we have to make the right things in the right moment. So um, I, I have no idea. Probably It's probably not possible, but um, it's not that we think about, to be honest. We have enough to do with thinking about how could we win the next, can we win the next game, and it's all what we are concerned about. I'm sure the players knew on the pitch with what was happening in the stadium. Everybody seemed to be tuned what was happening with the Aston Villa-Liverpool game as well. How aware were you with what was happening elsewhere? And I'm sure you've seen what happened at the end in that game. No, it's, it's not our business. So we arrived in the locker room, it was 1-1 and after 1-2. So what happened many times and Liverpool has done in the last years, it's because it's a special talent. Sometimes it's diving, sometimes it's this talent to score incredible goals in the last minute. It's a... It's a talent, so when it's one time, two times, so we were lucky, we were lucky. What happened in the last two seasons, many, many times, they have a special character to do that. So, nothing. So, important is look ourselves, so we know which team we face. So, in, I don't know how many games they, I think, won 10 and draw one. So, big compliment, and next week we're going to Anfield to, to try to play the game. So Pep Guardiola said it's none of his business what happened to Liverpool, except he clearly saw or got told that Mane was booked for diving, Robbie R. What did you make of the fact that he said that in a post-match interview yesterday? It tells me that, A, the focus is very much on Liverpool, um, not necessarily on his own team, but Pep Rebecca is having one of those days where I think he's trying to put pressure on the referee for next week when the two teams meet, if Liverpool, go, any player goes down in, in the box. It tells me that Pep is under pressure and feels, I think, for the first time that this Liverpool team are not going away. It was so interesting watching Pep on the sidelines yesterday mm. because when they scored, he gets excited, but my goodness was he excited when he scored and also he got very frustrated at times about time-wasting. Yeah, really from, over the top. Yeah, from the other team. I mean, look at this. I mean, th this is as animated mm. I think I've ever seen him. And I, and I followed his career right from the very beginning. I mean, look at him. I mean, he often does this, but not with this intensity. It continues going on and on and again. And with that interview... You know, it, it, is it getting to him a little bit? Well, yeah, there was that moment yeah. when Aguero came off and yeah. he went oh. screaming at Aguero. <laughs> passive aggressive. Passive aggressive. Yeah. And yeah. Either, yeah. that up and down emotional state of a manager must be, has that some sort of impact on Back, his So, you just see the, the, the two interviews. Jurgen Klopp seems to have a calm about him as though he, he's comfortable where he is. And Pep seems a bit agitated, as you say. I don't know, is, 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 is this a sign that Pep feels they're losing a little bit of control? It feels desperate. I mean, it, it, Maybe that's a too strong a word, but but like to, to think about Liverpool, to talk about it, it's right after their game to talk mm. about the, the player that scored the winning goal. Mm. So you're right, absolutely right. He's trying to influence the referees for next weekend that this guy goes to ground easily and everybody get ready for it. But that's not Pep's style. Yeah. That, that's yeah. not what we've seen before. Yeah. Of him, yeah, he's, of he's him like a, a little bit of desperation. Things, yeah. He needs that. He's behind Liverpool right now. And it, and, it, and it looks like he knows that they're behind mm. them a little bit in terms of the way they're playing. Does that affect... What you think will happen in next week's game between the pair at Anfield, just the way that we saw Pep behave yesterday? Does it, you think it's it gives be, it be less possible? Maybe not in his behaviour. I've got to tell you, if I'm Sadio Mane and if I'm them Liverpool players, mm -hmm. and they will have seen that, Rebecca, they're more determined now to go and win that game and put a nine-point gap between them and, and, and Manchester City. I, I think he's done his team and himself a disservice, Pep. He's almost shown us what goes on inside. We, 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 we've never really seen too much about Pep. 
what we know is he's feeling it just like everybody else. He isn't this cool, super chic, chic guy on the side. He, the nerves are going as well. And maybe a little worried about next weekend. A little worried, Rebecca, about what the result might mean and how his team is defending and how they can't keep a clean sheet and how Liverpool forwards can do special things. Klopp was interesting as well, I thought, just going back to his interview, mm. where he said, I didn't like the first 20 minutes. Good football, but not winning football. He wants penetration, he wants seriousness, he wants a ruthless streak to the way that they play. And when he, and when he, when he, when he doesn't see that from his team, he's quick to jump on it. Mm. It sets it up mm. for a brilliant, brilliant weekend with those two playing next weekend. Time now for our regular Sunday segment, The Boot Room. And today we're talking about fixture congestion and the very crowded football calendar. And this really came about, it's often talked about, but Jurgen Klopp, with the situation that Liverpool find themselves in coming up this Christmas, I'm going to show you Liverpool's December fixture list. It's a busy one. Everton, massive game, of course, Merseyside derby. Then it's away to Bournemouth. Salzburg in the Champions League, Watford. Then Villa away right now is a TBD in terms of the date because that is when they think Liverpool have to be in Qatar for the FIFA World Club for FIFA World Club. World Cup even. They've got two games in Qatar. Then it's West Ham, Leicester and Wolves to finish off the month of December. Now the problem with the Villa game but the reason why there is no day for it is because it's supposed to be when they're in Qatar. And Jurgen Klopp, gentlemen, said this week that if they cannot find a date for that game, for that quarter-final of the League Cup, Robbie Earl, against Villa, then Klopp said, we will forfeit the game. We will come out of the League Cup and allow Villa a bye through to the semi-finals. How Surprised are you that he said such a thing? Very surprised. In some respects, Liverpool are being penalised for success. They're a successful team. That's why they're in this situation. But it'd be damaging for Liverpool Football Club, Rebecca, for, for everything they stand for and the traditions of that football club. To pull out of the competition in the quarter-final stage, I think, would be a huge PR kind of uh, a mistake and be damaging to, 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 to the football club. And damaging to the competition as well. What do you think? Well, I think it's another example of his frustrations. There's some things that frustrates him with English football. And the, the fixture, the amount of fixture is something that he feels very strong about. But what we're seeing, Rebecca, is that managers in the Premier League, they can't really moan about it because there's too many people that will say, get on with it. You know, they all get paid a lot of money. You know, that's the way modern-day football is. And it's seen as moaning or making excuses for poor results. But there's many of them, I guarantee... Many of the managers in the Premier League feel the same way that this is an English football with, with two cup competitions, etc., etc. Results are they? Liverpool are winning it. They've yeah. only, they haven't lost. But it's been times before where, yeah. where you know he wants to have a go at stuff, yeah. and he sort of says, "No, I'm not going to make an excuse." But so it, it, it's I'm, you know it's a little disappointing. He's saying that they'll pull out of the competition. Mm. That would be incredibly damaging for the League yeah. Cup, which is pretty damaged right now, by the way. When you see a lot of the lineups from the Premier League sides, but. It's the, you see a list of, of, of games like that. I mean, that's so difficult to try and get your best players out there for the majority of the times. The fans want to see the best players and to perform at a high level. Very, very difficult. Frank Lampard last week talked about Christian Pulisic and the fact that he had just the one-week break last summer. And players like Harry Kane play yeah. virtually all year round. Maybe yeah. they get two weeks off in June or July. Are we taking enough care of our top-level players? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's a subject that's been the same for a long period of time. I detest, I did when I played and I do now, the two, the, the two games in three days over the Christmas period where you've got to play one game, a day of rest, and then you've got to play again, along with the amount of games um, players have to play. I never played for England, Rebecca, so I enjoyed a four- or five-week period where I did nothing. 
That's what I felt I needed. In the summer? In the summer, to clear my body. I, I was a guy that done a lot of work, I ran a lot. I, needed, I felt I needed that time, four or five weeks, to do nothing, and then I gradually built up my pre-season work, mm. ready to go back into training to feel good. I had the luxury, Rebecca, of four or five weeks of nothing. Forget about it these days. Players don't have that luxury. I just wonder if over the course of the season, mm. that comes back to her. I think also it's important to, to try and explain, Rebecca, what playing three, two or three days in the Premier yeah. League is like. When you play a Premier League game, it's like, probably in some respects, like running a marathon. Your legs are dead, you're bruised, you've got aches, you've got knocks. Sometimes that takes two or three days before you feel like you've recovered. Like, OK, I'm ready, I'm OK again. And then you train and get ready for another game. When you have these games coming in two or three days, you're basically... I used to think when, when, when these games were coming were... Not how well I'm going to play, just last the game. Mm. I couldn't concentrate on being my best. So then the quality of the game drops because everybody's on a, similar, on a similar vein. If you're one of the top Premier League players and you're playing, like you say, for 10 years at yeah. that level yeah. with that, this yeah. amount of games and Champions League and international... Shortens your career, I was just going to ask you that Absolutely question. Absolutely shortens your career and also makes you more susceptible to the injuries. To ACLs, we've seen a lot of um, Achilles and, mm. and hamstrings. These are the things that load the, the fatigue of training and playing with this intensity. And let's just say nothing. The intensity when me and Musty were playing is here. The intensity now yeah, the speed. is here. The mm. speed and power has gone up another level. You, we stand next to the, these Monday footballers and they're a different shape than we were. Perhaps... At some point, whether it's now or in the next year or two, something has to give. We've already had the introduction of some sort of winter break. It's a sort of winter mm. break in the way they're splitting yeah. um, a round of fixtures in January. What could the solution be? You have said, Robbie, on many an occasion in private, just with us, and I'm going to tell the viewers, I think it's fascinating... <laughs> That there is an argument that the Premier League should be reduced to 18 clubs in a bid to give them more quality time off. Do you feel that that could be a realistic option or is that just sort of dream world for you? I, I think it's probably incredibly unpopular with lots of people maybe watching this and the Premier League, of course. I think it makes a ton of sense. We see that in the Bundesliga, it's four fewer games. If you want to keep having two cup competitions, which is what we should talk about as well, by yeah. the way, then that would be a way that you could do that. It just gives you a wiggle room. Wiggle room of, of less fixtures. See, I'm not for that, Bex. What would you rather? I'd rather to lose... solve this problem. I'd rather lose the League Cup. The League Cup... Completely? Is... Get rid of it? No. Well, no, I'd, I'd, I'd play under-23 players and maybe a couple of overage. So you get a mix. So you get more young players coming in, as Chelsea have done this year, when so they're, they're in a position. what do you mean? So I'm saying maybe... Well, you... so the Premier League teams so are still in it. Olymp Olympics where you can play under-23... Well, just take it... How about just taking the Premier League sides out of it? And the League Cups for the League... Not, the league, not the really. football I think, league I think it's a great way of, of getting... So that's no challenge. Because they do that right now. The Premier League sides put young team, young yeah, players well, in the, well, the then, League Cup. And, and, so that's not going to change play, anything. Well, players are getting rested then. Players are getting it's, rested. The, in, the in fans want to see... Last, last not week, Liverpool the made team. 11 cha yeah, changes. Yeah, which I don't know. I think that's awful. If I'm going to a game, I want to see the best pretty, team rock. Pretty good game, 5-5. Five, five, I know, penalties. but I want to... I if I pay my money, I want to see the best team. Well, exactly, and with all it, the games... Wasn't it 5-5 five, five because the quality wasn't really there? Well, quality was there or not. Depends how you look at yeah, it with, with, the, with the goals. But don't you but... want to see the best... I want to see the best team. When, when we do our, our games, and sometimes there's rotations that we talk do, about, I want to see the best team. But, and with but fewer Premier League games, or fewer games, you're going to see that more often. But you say get rid of the... Or the Premier Leagues don't go in. The lower leagues, that affects the lower leagues. No, it does. There's no money, there's no... Attraction, you're not getting a big day at Manchester United. Oh, right. You can so, still have a big day at Manchester so how, United. So what's the solution then? There's got to be a tough decision made, whether it's two pure teams in the Premier League or the Premier League sides don't go in 
in. I mean, on that list there was a, was a League Cup game for Liverpool. So that no makes it way. harder There's to fit in the other game, which is the problem. The, league club, the, the Premier League clubs would have to vote that they're going to lose. There's no way <laughs> I mean, they the are season, voting the to say two more of us drop out. In the yeah. Bundesliga, yeah, the two Pep knows it and Jürgen knows it. In the Bundesliga, it's 18 games, mm. so it's 34, 18 teams, 34 games, and one German Cup competition. Yeah. And they have a what, all- three or four week winter break for those mm-hmm. players to recharge. That feels and, and seems like a better scenario to, for protecting our players and the international guys that don't get a break in the summer. This is a good conversation. We Cap have to Klopp finish now. We have to go back to Germany. <laughs> they may have to go back to Germany. No, we want them to stay in the Premier League. Correct. Quick correction of myself. The winter break in the UK in the Premier League will actually be in February uh, next year for the first time. So Leicester City go above Chelsea into third spot. Chelsea in fourth. There's now a gap opening up Mm. between fourth and fifth of six points. This Leicester City team, what makes them so special? Joint best defensive record in the league. Eight goals conceded. Third high scorers in the league, 27 goals. Tells you both ends of the pitch they they can do it. Today, they adhere to what their focus is. Get playing football and creating opportunities. Brilliant free uh, set-piece work from Madison gets them the goal today. The signs at the end tell me that this group are enjoying working hard. And when you get that, it's something special. Robbie Master, it's a tough question. Would you take the 2016 Leicester winning title, Leicester title winning team, or this team, which is better? Title winning team. They were, they were grinders. You know, a long way to go for this Leicester City team. Very different, but that Leicester team in 2016 was a brilliant team. Hard-working, outran, out-bullied, out done a lot of things than a lot of other teams in that league. But this is a very different side, a very, a very good side. I thought you were going to ask me about the central defenders. I'm not sure I'd take any other centre-backs right now in the Premier League than Johnny Evans and Chuyunchu. Scored the goal, loves defending. Johnny Evans loves defending, strong, airily. Those two, apart from the other players that will get more of the headlines, have been brilliant for Leicester. Better on the eye, Rob, aren't they, than the, the winning They're better team. on the eye. But the other team have got a little bit of yeah. grit and determination. Well, we're only just over a quarter yeah. of the way through mm. the season, so plenty of time still for this developing Brendan Rodgers-Leicester City team. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.